We'd like to thank our sponsors, NoWatch, who are determined to help society connect back to the present moment. NoWatch is a smart jewelry wearable that measures and predicts stress one hour in advance, helping you restore balance and improve relaxation and sleep. With a collection of nine interchangeable gemstones to suit your daily mood and style. Through skin conductance, it knows what your cortisol levels are and where they're headed. With a subtle vibration, you're reminded to stay in the stress-free zone by taking a breath, going for a walk, doing yoga or meditation. The No Watch Kickstarter starts in November. These watches will sell fast, so you want to get yours today. And if you sign up on the website nowatch.com, N-O-W-A-T-C-H.com, you can get an early bird discount. Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about the transformative body healing and sacred anatomy with Desda Zuckerman. Desda is a modern day visionary, author, spiritual healer, speaker, and teacher. Born an intuitive with extraordinary clairvoyant abilities, Desda has made an in-depth study of the subtle energy body. She's a true spiritual pioneer. She's learned to describe, understand, and speak about the subtle parts of human capacity and wrote a profound book called Your Sacred Anatomy, which you could find on Amazon. She's deeply dedicated to the demystification of the esoteric and hidden information that she suggests we should share as a species. And our mutual friend, Michael Margulis, introduced us, and he spoke so highly of Desda and her work that I just knew I had to have her on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Desda. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's really a joyful moment when I get to meet a like-minded soul. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Desda. (laughs) So does it, let's just drop right in. Can you talk to us about what sacred anatomy actually means? I'd love to. Sacred anatomy is a term that came to me over the years. I have been mapping the subtle energy around human bodies for the better part of 50 years. I'm uh a person who really has been an explorer and fairly independent of other types or modalities of teaching. So that everything that I learned, I learned from observation, from trial and error, from internal meditation, prayer, and alignment with my own soul's knowledge. And so as this grew and became clearer and clearer to me, I realized that the swirls of energy and light that I saw around people were the same. They weren't different from person to person. They had a similarity. And over time, that similarity proved to be an anatomy. And that anatomy I began to see was the anatomy of the soul, the anatomy of that amazing part of us that we can think of as the essential nature. And that soul structure that I've mapped is able to be worked with. It's able to be corrected or healed. It's able to be appreciated and connected with in such a way that you can actually experience an expansion of consciousness. So 
The sacred anatomy is just that. It's an anatomical presentation around us that is truly sacred. Amazing. And Desa, I think a lot of people are not really aware of even their physical anatomy, uh, let alone their, I guess, sacred anatomy and their subtle energy body. So I'd love for you to maybe talk about what subtle energy body means for people that are new to the concept that maybe don't see themselves as um, sacred and anatomical beings. I'd be happy to. (laughs) So think in terms of the science that we use today to measure the heart, EKGs. We're all familiar with that. Do you know what energy they're using when they do an EKG on your heart? They're using electromagnetic energy. Now, most people can't see electromagnetic energy, and electromagnetic energy is radiating out from your physical body. It's actually a reflective and reactive energy that is created by the cells in your body, by the beating of your heart, by the firing of the brain. And so there's an electromagnetic energy that's right around your physical body, and it goes out. And this is actually scientifically documented. It goes out two to four feet from the physical body. And with some people who are really super strong, it might be bigger, might be a little bigger than that. But that's part of the sacred anatomy. It's actually a whole system in the sacred anatomy because beneath it and around it even further out is a more profound anatomy, an anatomy that isn't reflective of the physicality, but that incorporates it instead. So this has been my life work and a real journey because truthfully, nobody has mapped what I've mapped. So I've actually got a documentation of a nervous system that goes out from the physical body that that goes beyond the electromagnetic energy and that's made of something else that's made of what I've started to call subtle energy. You know, there are four quantum energies and It's amazing because quantum science is actually really waking up to a lot of these ideas that people like me have been spouting for 25 or 30 years. And one of them is that there might be more than just the four quantum energies. So the four that we are used to and that we know about would include gravity and electromagnetic energy, strong force and weak force. And, you know, you talk about the energy in a black hole Okay, so that's the energy of quantum physics in a very, very quick and dirty description. But we think that there's another energy. So essentially, we have to ask the question, what is that subtle energy made of? What is it made of? And if there's something more than an electromagnetic field around my physical body, well, what is it? And how can I feel it, use it, experience it? So I've come to the conclusion after years and years and years of study and reading and analysis and trial and error that this subtle energy is the energy of consciousness. 
and that we actually have a conscious field around us an energetic field. So we have an electromagnetic field that is what some people have through the years, and you may have heard the term the aura, that's what they refer to. But it's really an electromagnetic field, that's what it is. And then beyond that, there's a subtle energy field. And that subtle energy field could be called the consciousness field, or the field of personal consciousness and awareness. And that's what I've termed the sacred anatomy, because it has systems. So it has seven different systems, and I've analyzed and mapped and organized those. And how do I know they're real? Because I can interact with them, and I can teach other people to do that too. Yeah, Desa, I want to talk about uh, those seven systems um, and like to get into the human energy structure, but... I want to understand a little bit about your ability to sense the subtle energy body. Are you able to uh, clairvoyantly see people's subtle energy body um, when they're physically there in person? Can you sense it just by talking to them on the phone? For example, can you sense it with me? I'm, I'm super curious uh, what kind of insights you have on being able to read the subtle energy body. Well, it's always on for one thing. It's always <laughs> happening and I'm always aware of it. Um, the, the subtle energy body, the sacred anatomy that I'm aware of around people, um, I can see on um, photographs. I can see in movies. I can see in person when I'm with a person. And this energy field is enormous. It's actually... 20 feet out from your physical body, left, right, above and below your below your feet and above your head. So it's very, very large. And if you're standing in a big open field, you're going to look like a giant oval, like an egg, mm -hmm. if you're super healthy and everything. But if I am in a crowded room, I see people's energy structures change and they get smaller, they get tighter. They can sometimes get very cylindrical and up and down. So your subtle anatomy is very adaptable and it supports you wherever you are and doing whatever you do. So when I look at people, um, I was a rock and roll singer for 26 years. And so I uh, had lots of opportunities to sing in front of lots and lots and lots of people. And I watched their energy fields and I could see whole rooms full of people responding to what I was doing, not just somatically moving and enjoying the music, but actually changing energetically. And so one of the things that um, happened when I began to see that I was able to have an impact energetically when I was in my 30s, I kind of realized that um, is I began to think about well, how could I help people? I wanted to help, you know? And so I played with very early um, skill sets, like bringing in white light into a room to clear it, that kind of thing. Uh, and I could see entire roomfuls of people clearing out energy, releasing uh, and allowing uh, themselves to be happier, to lighten up. Uh, and I learned over time ways to do that. And so I worked with these large groups of people at first. That was really the first thing I did. And um, as I began 
just on my journey, walking along through this whole process, I started to see that um, my skill set was unusual. I didn't realize that at first. I really didn't. I thought everybody could see this stuff. And now I know that that isn't true. Not everybody can, but I do believe everybody has the potential to. Wow. So fascinating. So does a, I, I want to talk about a point you made earlier about the seven anatomical systems of the human energy structure. Can you tell us what they are and why they are so important? And I'm just like still thinking about your <laughs> year, <laughs> your years as a, a rock, rock star singer, <laughs> a multidimensional <laughs> person. It's kind of amazing. Well, we all are, aren't we? We have lots of skills and talents. And the thing is that this is... This is actually who we are. We're we're beautiful soul manifestations of divine consciousness. Here we are walking around. And we can do all kinds of things from calculus to uh, you know, singing Johnny Be Good. So it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's a big it's a big and, and very beautiful species we're part of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just <laughs> I, I love also your thoughts on, you know, how people's energy structure changes when they're in a room with other people, how other people affect us. Um, I moved from the Bay Area to LA. And of course, like I've noticed that it's, you know, it's a different experience of life, uh, you know, uh, being in nature, being surrounded by so much nature and so much space to now being in a bigger city with a lot more people and just how right. that makes me feel. And, and also the importance of, of being really grounded and present um, and meditating even more so now than ever. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I when I know whenever I'm in LA, I feel like I'm riding a tiger, you know. <laughs> it's an interesting city. Yeah. Not as crazy as New York feels though. New York feels really woo. <laughs> yes, yes. But LA does have its talents. <laughs> yes, yeah. I lived in New York for 10 years, so I I do well, remember those days. So, uh, so let's talk about those seven systems. Yes. You were curious about them, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there is um, the one system most people are familiar with and have sort of seen pictures of is what they call the in um, more traditional schools of body work and and energy work are called the 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 bodies, the energy bodies, and they they see them as layers. I don't call them the bodies because I believe there is only one body and it is the entire thing. So I call uh, that the layers. And there are layers like a cake that go off and, and from the physical body. And in fact, I call the physical body the bio layer. Then there's an emotional layer that's right off the bio layer. Then there's a primal layer, a mental layer, cognitive spiritual, etheric, and finally a soul layer, which is like a fuel tank for the subtle anatomy. So that would be the layers system. And the layers are fascinating because they're pretty much organs, each of the layers. The physical body, the bio layer, is actually an organ within the sacred anatomy. And Every single one of those layers is just as complex as our physical body and has just as much value and just as much um, to teach us and to offer us. So there's the layer system, the storytellers of the structure, the organic viscera, if you will, of the sacred anatomy, and they extend out 
20 feet in either way, up, down, left, right, back, front. And then there's also what I call the template, which is a nervous system. And it has what uh, a thing at the center that's like a big ganglia at right around the belly button of the physical body. And then it extends out from this, what I call star point at the center. It extends out in a starburst pattern all throughout the sacred anatomy. And it's actually a nervous system and it acts as a communication device. It controls the expansion and contraction feature of the structure. And it also is part of a digestive system, which is which is very interesting. So the next one that I would introduce would be the blended energy system, which is kind of like a cardiovascular system. And this uh, blended energy system it contains 13 chakras. Most people that have studied subtle energy stuff have heard of seven or maybe eight or sometimes nine chakras. I talk about 13. And the 13 chakras that I teach are located inside the physical body, but also off the physical body, above us and below us. So those chakras uh, move energy and they move the subtle uh, life force energy that comes out of the soul layer through the center of the structure and the chakras are all placed along the the core the core is a major corridor of energetics triple current stream moving in a downward spiraling fashion from the top of the structure all the way to the bottom of the structure. And that's actually part of the blended energy system. Then there's the bones of light. And the bones of light are a, a skeletal system that supports and holds people up and open and segments and separates things. And we have like a rib cage and we have what I call the substructure. Then there's also the uh, elimination system. And there's five big horizontal elimination wheels that stack from below the physical body all the way above the physical body. And these look like the wheels of karma and they turn, they spin and they pump and they kind of release toxins and um, excess and waste out of the structure and into the universal, which is the soup we swim in, the consciousness that is raw and unattached. And then we also have the electromagnetic field, which I talked about earlier, and that's just right around us. And it acts like a bridge between the interior truth and knowledge and consciousness to the exterior world. So the electromagnetic field acts as like a bridge, like the Golden Gate Bridge that takes us from one place, a more internal place into the world where we're communicating and uh, sharing who we are, sharing our truth, sharing our personalities and our egos. And that's all part of the electromagnetic field. It's an egoic presentation. Next, we have the harmonizing network. And the harmonizing network is mostly sound, which is um, which is wonderful, but it it is a it's it's a subtle sound frequency that holds us together. So light and sound, electromagnetic and subtle energy 
are what make us up. Paramahansa Yogananda said in the 1920s that matter is nothing more than congealed light. And this is really true. It's what I work with and what I see and how I have taught thousands of people to begin to use this sacred anatomy as a tool in their life and as a way that they can more clearly bring their deep soul's purpose into fruition, into reality for themselves. Wow. Desa, you said so much. I want to um, double click on a couple things. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I could probably just sit with that for, you know, a couple hours uh, in itself. <laughs> Does it, so you spoke about something called the core. Can you define mm -hmm. that for us? Um, and then two other follow-up questions, which I can repeat is uh, how can we strengthen that human electromagnetic field? And you talked about soul purpose and soul mission, uh, or one or the other, but I was wondering if you could talk to us about how we can find that. Oh my. Oh, those are all really good <laughs> questions. Let's start with the core because the core is the most foundational part of who we are. So at your very, very center, and it goes really from way above you, 20 feet above you, right through the top of your head, the baby's soft spot, right down the spine and out your coccyx, down through your legs, all the way below your feet and down another 20 feet. That is the length of the core. And at the very, very center is this beautiful red current of energy that I call the purpose current. And it is right in the center. And on the left side is a golden saffron-colored current that's coming down, is spiraling all the way down. On the left side and on the right side of this core is a blue current. And it's spiraling all the way down. And that blue current is called the function current. The gold current is called the wisdom current. So we have wisdom purpose, and function at our core. And what is that core, actually? Well, that core is a fragment of divine consciousness that has found its way to the center of who and what you are, and in fact, maybe even created who and what you are. So we are at our core, divine in nature. And at our core, we are never broken, we're never wounded, we're never hurt, we're never traumatized, we're never bent. Our core is beautiful and perfect. It is surrounded by a sheath, a golden light sheath that goes from top to bottom. The core sheath is what takes the hits. So your core sheath can be affected by the slings and arrows of life. But the core in and of itself never is. And so when we start to really grasp the truth that we are, in fact, divine light at our core, it begins to open us up. And we start to have an experience of actually expanding and becoming larger at our core than we were. Your core might start out like the size of a hair, tiny little thing. But then as you awaken to it, as you make friends with it, as you understand it more and more as a driving force within you, 
it starts to expand and take a larger place in your life. And at one time, I, I actually thought that maybe the whole purpose of life was to expand the core. And um, I still do feel that one of the main things that we're here to do is to manifest as much of divine consciousness as we are possibly able to do. And that happens by expanding the core for sure. But it's not just that. I've come to realize that it's more than that. But that was that was my starting point. But that that's a, a description of the core. Now, the, what was the next question you asked me? Um, the next question was, how can we strengthen the human electromagnetic field and then followed up with um, our soul's purpose? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm writing that down so I don't have to ask you again. Okay, so strengthening the electromagnetic field is very interesting. So first of all, our electromagnetic field has taken a lot of hits. We have cell phones, we have computers, we have all kinds of unshielded pieces of equipment that impact our electromagnetic field. If you've ever seen a Carillion photograph, you may have seen black spots on the photograph. So a Carillion photograph is a, a, a kind of process of photography that was developed by a, a Russian for, uh, fellow who was interested in photographing the subtle energy around people. And this is very old. It was done a long, long time ago. But Carillion photographs are very common at psychic fairs, and you can find them on the internet anywhere. But what they are is just sort of a brief photograph that isn't totally accurate of the electromagnetic field. And you can see on almost all of them, black spots or dark spots or places where there's been what we would consider electromagnetic disturbances. So we've all had the experience of holding a cell phone until it got super hot on our ear and roasted our ear. <laughs> and then we could even maybe feel the energy of the phone kind of coming into our head. And you know those kinds of feelings are hard on your electromagnetic field. So it's really, really important to know and understand that your electromagnetic field is impacted by your tech. And it, it can make you sick, it can make you tired, it can make you more vulnerable to other things. And there's nothing wrong with tech. I'm a big supporter of tech. But you got to know what to do with it. One of the things you can do is understand that there's a distinction between you and your electromagnetic field. Your physical body is a sort of the generator of the electromagnetic field that's around you. And if you just put your hands out, so right next to your physical body, if you just touch your arm, for example, and then move off your arm about an inch, you're in your electromagnetic field. And that's right around your physical body. And you can sense that all around your physical body. Most people have the ability to feel that. If you put hands to hands, you can, leaving about a half an inch between your two hands, you can feel the energy between your hands. That's electromagnetic energy that you're feeling. And that electromagnetic energy is 
is very buzzy. It has a, a quality of awakeness and aliveness that's that's very interesting. And we can study this, you know, all of these, you know, electroencephalograms, electrocardiograms, MRIs. People are using electromagnetic energy generated by the human body to study the human body, which is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. So, so what can we do? What can we do to keep our equipment from making us toxic? What can we do now that I've been made toxic by my equipment? What can I do to clean myself up to help myself be healthier and stronger? Well, there's a couple of things, and it's a little more complex than I can go into here because it's actually a little healing procedure. But what you can do is work with a sacred anatomy energy medicine practitioner. That's one thing I can say. But the other thing is you can literally push out of your electromagnetic field anything that is not serving you. So you can push out from your physical body, you can turn your hands around facing out and just say, all electromagnetic energy that is not serving me, I want you to move out. And you can just push it out and send it into the sun. Just push it into the sun, sending it out, sending it out. Because electromagnetic energy is just energy. It's not really meant to be used as a weapon, which is kind of what we've done. We've weaponized this natural occurring electromagnetic frequency. What we've done is we've given it a point, like a stick. If you sharpen the stick, you can stab somebody with it, right? So the same thing happens when you sharpen a signal and make it laser-like and send it from one tower to another, and then it passes through a human body. It's like you've been stabbed with a stick. So electromagnetic energy it releases naturally from the earth it and it releases from human beings and you have the ability to push debris and excess and trauma out of your body you can simply say get out and you can do that now it's not as good as if you were to do a healing procedure and have a whole bunch of replenishing energies and bring you back to a, a status that is healthier but it will do in a pinch. And we are all in a pinch right now with all these computers and stuff around us. I don't recommend buying a bunch of gadgets and gadgets. I don't recommend them. I don't think they're useful. In fact, I think some of them are harmful. Um, but I do recommend understanding that electromagnetic energy is intelligent energy. And that if you tell it to get out of your field, it will actually start to respond. Fascinating. Wow. Uh, um, so does I, I want to uh, just talk briefly about that last question about your soul's purpose and mission. I now forget like how it was tied to the seven anatom anatomical systems, but um, can, can you briefly describe what, what does that even mean? Like, do, does everyone have a soul mission and purpose or are some people, I mean, do you number one, believe that? Yes. Okay. I believe that everyone has a soul's purpose and that it's relatively simple. I don't believe in a, you know, 20,000 word essay on a soul's purpose. I think it's usually 
less than a sentence long. Like, I'm here to learn about love. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> no, that's a soul's purpose. So soul's purpose is really simple. And we have a soul orientation that gives us a clue as to what our purpose is. And there are essentially are three orientations. One is the visionary orientation of the alpha substructure. This is built into the bones of light. So I am supported as an alpha substructure to constantly be a visionary in every incarnation, throughout every lifetime I may ever live. That is my soul's orientation. And so my my work as a soul is to bring what I'm doing right now, to bring this information forward to support my species in bringing them to the highest fruition that the human species can can reach we are to we are meant to be peacefully and prosperously and happily connected and be co-creating the universe with the divine we are meant to do that and so I'm a visionary who sees that potential. Then there are artists and craftspeople, people who are devoted to beauty, to harmony, to balance. And those people come at that same idea of the species reaching its full potential by helping people become more harmonized. So you see in Los Angeles, you see all these artsy people, right? There's all the artists walking around. And all those people, all those artisans are building a wonderful world of harmony and beauty. Then there's the third kind of substructure, which is also a soul's purpose, which is the lover, the person whose whole approach to living is really... I love that, or I love this, or I love you. And they are believers that love conquers all, that uh, love is the only answer, that love is all you need. And they're constantly looking for ways that they can love more. And um, so those are the three basic substructure types, the alpha, the beta, and the gamma of the bones of light, and they tell us our soul's orientation. So then your soul's purpose is wrapped up in your particular interpretation of if you're a visionary, a creative, an artist, or if you're a lover, you know, and you want to bring one of those ideas forward. Wow. It's so fascinating. I wonder what mine is. I'm as soon as you said the lover, I was like, oh, that feels like mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and everybody loves, like all, all three of those guys love. <laughs> they just love differently. They love in their way, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Wow. Yeah. So Desda, and I love the framework because I feel like it's, it, you know, it's so easy for people to understand it and it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. It does. It's profoundly logical. Like yeah. shockingly so. It's kind of like, how could this be so logical? It's it's unseen. It's mysterious. <laughs> well, bottom line is it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be mysterious. Right, right. Yeah, I think we try to 
magicalize a lot of things that don't need to be magicalized. You know, it's so funny. Um, even, even yeah. intuition, you know, it's like it, it, for people that are not used to the terminology, there's just, there's a fear associated with it and, and a shutdown. But I think we we always use our intuition, even if we're not admitting that we're using it. Right. It's right. Or at least we don't act on it sometimes, but it's always there. I mean, we always have these like ideas that come from a non-local place. Um, well, yeah, we're intuitive. Human beings have instinct and intuition, both. Right, right. But we've thought we've pathologized some of this, you know, <laughs> as a culture. We've <laughs> heavily pathologized the idea of the empath. Yeah. You know, so empaths are basically crazy, you know, because they're they're now feeling everything that everybody else feels all the time. Right. That's and, not healthy. Right. And I would almost say that in culture, being empathetic or being aware of your emotions has been, you know, termed as uh, a nuisance almost. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's also sort of labeled a feminine quality and it's a lot of things have been, you know, kind of, uh, pathologized and and also condemned you right. know um and and the truth of the matter is we are magnificently interesting beings and there's a ton of cool stuff about what we do and who we are and how we function and and the and the, the sad thing is is that we limit ourselves we say oh no no i'm i i want to be smaller i don't want to feel behind me <laughs> You know, I don't want to have a sense of what's coming when actually we all really know what's coming. We can feel it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. This, it's so interesting because I think a lot of people are not taught to be in touch with their emotional world or their intuitive world. And honestly, until I went to my program um, at the Academy of Intuition Medicine, I didn't even know what intuition really was or meant. So it's, uh, we were sort of disconnected from that part of our our life uh, as humans. So yeah, yeah. unfortunately, and I, I think some of the sad, you know, kind of upshots to that are, are that people distrust that internal truth and internal knowingness. And, the, and they say, Oh, that's just my quote, imagination, unquote, you know, Poof. I always say, who told you imagination isn't real? Right. You know, and it's so interesting because I think people, you know, sent, tend to say, I don't want to trust that feeling. I want to just trust logic or historical data. And I think we need both, right? Like it's not, <laughs> we're not saying that we want, we want to choose one over the other. It's like, why not use your intuition and also use logic? Cause that's why we were created, right? To have both. So right. it's just, it's just interesting that, you know, there's a desire to just, just focus on the logical world at, at all costs, essentially. Um, so does, I want to talk about how we can awaken our consciousness and also the greater mind exercise. Can you talk to us about that? I'm, I'm very happy to do that. The, the awakening our consciousness, awakening ourselves to the potential of who and what we are can be as simple as allowing oneself to become quiet and if you can stop the chatter in your mind, slow down, take a deep breath, and simply appreciate the light around you, you begin to realize 
that not only are you part of the totality, but that you're a contributing factor, that you are having an impact just by sitting where you are. And this is a extraordinary truth that all spiritual teachings teach pretty much across the board, that when you become quiet and listen and attune to the divine frequency within yourself, you begin to harmonize with the universe. You begin to harmonize with all that there is. And when that starts to happen, your frequency comes up, your your heart rate changes, your breath slows, you become relaxed and physically more capable of absorbing even more information, but your soul, your spirit expands. Part of the truth of my work is that you cannot get to the spirit unless you are in the body. So it's really important to have an embodied experience of living, like to really be physically attuned to who you are, to bring your spirit into your body, to allow your spirit to speak through your body, not like some kind of goofy channeled thing, but actually letting your own divine nature move in your body when you when you're eating actually stopping eating when your body has had enough food not continuing to eat because somebody told you you should eat more or you think you should eat more stopping thinking a little bit and start feeling and being in the physicality. So by doing that, by by becoming embodied into our physicality, we begin to experience sort of the bigger potential of what it is we are. And in that moment, you are opening a door into unseen realms. And you have the ability in that moment, that moment of quiet and embodied peace, to actually see more of who you are and feel more of who you are. You may not see, you may not smell it, you may not taste it, but you can feel it. And the feeling is one of an expanded nature. So I like to take you into this exercise called the greater mind expansion, which helps you understand that what you think is your physical body is perhaps less of you than you thought. So um, stepping out of your head brain and into the greater mind gives you access to your larger, more expanded consciousness. So this is the home of your genius, the place where you are bigger than figuring it out more than your limitations, and beyond the small self, the little part of you that's afraid, right? This is the subtle anatomy nervous system outside of your physical body, but also within your physical body, incorporating your physical nervous system, because we have only one real big nervous component, and you are able to navigate it 
Knowing how to use the greater mind expansion supports creativity, spiritual availability. It's an expanded and altered state without years of meditation and without drugs. It can be the end of trying and the beginning of being. Taking action from here, from this greater mind expansion, can be very empowering. So I want to invite everybody to just take three deep cleansing breaths. So one big breath in, and just let it hover in your lungs for a moment, and then releasing. And another big breath in. Let that breath hover and then release. A third breath in and releasing. And now breathing naturally, place your hands on your skull. Just right on your skull and feel the heat, the heat of your brain. Feel that heat coming up through the skull radiating out of the skull. And actually even feel the busyness of the brain. Isn't it? It's it's packed in there. It's busy, busy, busy. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So kind of notice the tightness of your head, how little room you have in there, and how intensely active your brain is all the time. Keeping your hands on your head. Just feel the awareness of your own mind. Feel that mind separating from the brain. The brain is the machine part of you that makes the respiration happen and helps your heart beat and sends out the correct neurotransmitters to your body so that you produce the correct hormones. That's what your brain is doing. But your mind, your mind is crowded in there in that head. It's organizing. It's worrying. It's making plans and lists. It's going over things. So just let the mind kind of take over the head brain. Let it expand. And it will come up against the skull and start pushing against it. So just feel it pushing, your mind pushing. Let your mind expand as large as it wants to within your head until it starts to push up into your skull, into the bones of your skull, and actually start pushing your hands away from the side of your head. And you can feel that greater mind Start to move out into the nervous system of your sacred anatomy. And let your mind expand out so far that it pushes your hands away, pushes them back away from your head. And now it's sort of free. It's out in the sacred anatomy. So you're now inhabiting the template, which is that nervous system I was talking about the subtle nervous system, which is accessible. Look at that. So this is the world of your genius. This is where your aha moments occur. 
when you've been expanded and in the greatness of your own mind's capacity, this is where you go. This is where Einstein found the theory of relativity. This is where da Vinci understood how important spirals were. This is where Georgia O'Keeffe saw the beauty in the clarity of the white cliffs. And breathing in, you can experience the inventiveness of your mind, the power of your mind, and let your greater mind expand just as far out as it can into the template. And it'll go out about 18 or 20 feet. Just let it, let it really fill up your whole sacred anatomy. And it's moving out from your physical body. So it's, it's also incorporating your physical body on all sides. So you are in your body. Put your hands on your pelvis and actually feel yourself, feel your body. If you feel like you're disconnected, wiggle your toes. But allow yourself to remain in that greater mind. So just explore anything that's up for you right now that you've been trying to resolve. Just feel that coming up for you and explore any activity here. Anything you want to resolve, any problem you want to solve. And just let those creative solutions kind of bubble up within the greater mind. And the fun of being in your genus, genius really produces this internal shift where you can start to have what has been called an altered state of consciousness, but is actually consciousness and so here we are in the realm of consciousness so take a deep breath and just awaken your eyes let them open and let yourself experience the reality of having a much larger mind than you thought you had so it's not contained by your head it's contained by your soul and your soul structure that helps you understand what your purpose is, why you're here, and what it is that you need to know about who you are as you grow. Mm, that's amazing, Deza. Wow. It's so relaxing <laughs> to be connected to that. And I love that exercise. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I can share that with your listeners in a written form if you'd like, and you can post that on your site. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. That would be great. Wow. And um, it, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, I think it was Freud who called it the field, like to access this like kind of universal mind consciousness of everyone and everything. Um, I'm not sure if there's any connection to that, but. Well, it's Carl Jung who talked about the, the uh, collective unconscious. And, mm -hmm. and that is this collective field that we share as a species for sure, for absolute sure. Got it. Got it. And um, and that and that is part of the universal that's around us. We we live in multiple fields, you know. Um, there's the field that we're in right now. You and me and the listeners that are hearing what we're talking about. We're in a field together. 
we're creating uh, an availability to each other so that people can listen to my words and to feel the impact of them. But they also are hearing your words and the impact of them. And together we're creating a, a place, a reality, right? But then there's also the energies that I work with, the, the beings that are around me, the beings that are around you. And there's that field. There's this kind of unseen teacher field, you know, healers, teachers, guardians, guides, all around us. So there's many, many levels of fields. There's angelic fields. There's tremendous fields of guides and guardians who are helping direct people. There's all this unseen information that's available once you start opening the door. But if you just want to look at the nuts and bolts of it, yeah, we share a planet. We have a planetary field and we are learning how delicate that field really is. And we need to take better care of it right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Dessa. Wow. So fascinating. And Dessa, can we uh, talk about, I, I have so many more questions and uh, we're almost at time. So I, I want to ask the last few questions <laughs> before we wrap up. We have so many. Um, you talk about the four aspects of the authentic self. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what that means? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try to give you the shortest answer I can. <laughs> so there, the, the idea of a higher self is, is a good one. It's a good idea because it suggests to us that we're more than this small self, this, this lower self, this egoic needy self, right? We're more than that, that we have a higher and better version of ourselves. And people work to reach that higher evolved state. They want to be better people and they they pray and they meditate and they contemplate and they study and they try to reach this higher self. And so what I'm here to tell you is that there is an actual anatomical location for this higher self and that it has four different golden globes. It's located 20 feet above your head. It is beautiful light balls of light that are floating there and they are the four aspects of the authentic self. And what they do is they direct and support the evolution of your soul's journey. And they are you. They're essentially you. They are your physical aspect, your emotional aspect, your psychological aspect, and your spiritual aspect. So you are much more complicated, much more interesting, and much more awake than you realize because we're stuck in this kind of egoic idea of what we are. We have an identity that's small, that's limited, that's in the head, right? And that has to do with this physical body. But in truth, we also incorporate a much larger identity that is much more authentically who we are. So we have an authentic self with four aspects that helps us become who we are and helps us live this life to its fullest Fascinating. Fascinating. I'm like imagining that uh, golden globe above my head. I'm going to have to just see a picture of it. <laughs> well, it's in my book. I've got, 
Okay. In my book, Your Sacred Anatomy, there are 88 color illustrations I've worked with Kim Glass Chew on for years to develop these illustrations. And when we come out with a second edition, we're going to add a whole bunch more. So, <laughs> oh, wow. And when does the second edition come out? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Eventually. Okay. <laughs> I have to write it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been I've been continuing to write pieces for the book, but, you know, it's it's a thing. It took me 10 years to write that book. I can and imagine. And 40 years to research it. You know, I mean, it was... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can imagine it's uh, 350 plus pages. So, yeah. Wow. So, yes, it has an 18-page glossary, redefining terms. Like I use words <laughs> like soul and spirit, but I redefine them. So, you know, basically it's because I speak English, which is a really limited language. Sanskrit, now there's a language, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely agree with you. I think we <laughs> language is limiting this oh. kind of invisible world as well. And um it is. Yeah. So does it, I want to ask about and this is actually just more of a personal curiosity of mine um, sure. because a lot of different modalities talk about how our subconscious mind is really in charge and, you know, we're using maybe 5% of our conscious mind, which is why we say like, we want to lose weight, but we can't do it. And we want to change our habits, but we're just in this program. We're in this like loop. And so um, I've heard and I've read in certain places that our hypothalamus is essentially our access into our subconscious mind. And I wanted to understand that point more, especially since you've written a book on uh, the anatomical system. What is our subconscious mind, first of all, and does our hypothalamus have anything to do with it? Or did I just get that wrong? Well, I don't think there's a wrong or a right. And I think that there, I mean, everyone has got hypotheses and ideas and theories, right? And, and God bless them. May they may they enjoy their theories. <laughs> I I don't have any criticism of people's ideas around that. But what I can tell you is what I know. So here's what I know: the conscious mind is incredibly present and there in all of us, and we have labeled it subconscious. We've got it reversed. We think that this egoic personality brain mind which we call conscious is is the thing running the show mm. <laughs> we think we're in charge <laughs> and it's a lot like um you know a passenger thinking they're they're sailing the ship when mm. it's the captain mm -hmm. so the conscious mind is the subtle anatomy it's large. It's larger. It's more awake and aware. And when we're really in consciousness, when we're really clearly conscious, we're aware that we're more than a physical body. It's just a simple fact. When we are in our subconscious mind, the unconscious part of ourselves, we are completely unaware of this larger self. And we actually think of ourselves as you know, these physically powerful, strong beings that are in control of the world, <laughs> control of our fate. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is that's, it's just, it's backwards. That's my, my thinking. We're not, we're not really, our personalities are in charge of nothing and we're not really that important. 
(laughs) (laughs) But the soul structure and the and the soul magnificence, which is in shoulder to shoulder partnership with divine source manifesting creation now 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 that's consciousness <laughs> and that might have a greater shot at being in charge oh that's so funny i mean i love that because i think so many of us you know first of all i think we think we we are more important than we actually are and i i love when people say oh like what is this person going to think of me if i do this and i'm like nobody is thinking about you most people are just thinking about themselves like i guarantee they probably it's a flicker of a thought if anything <laughs> the flicker yeah there you go but you know the thing of it is is like once you're awake to the idea that you're awake, you you can't go back. Yeah. You can't become unconscious again. So raising your conscious awareness, opening your awareness to this greater level of sophistication, to the truth that we are in union and communion with the energies of the cosmos, and that we are in fact eminently creative beings who can resolve conflict, solve problems, and who have enough space for anyone and everyone on the planet. Mm. We really can make room for everyone. So I'm in I'm in alignment with all the great teachings of the of the millennia that um and and aeons past that said we are one. And and I am I am a believer in that truth. But beyond that, I have a certainty about it. Because I know that when I operate in my subtle anatomy, and when I allow that my subtle and my physical are one body, that I am a holistic being with four aspects to myself that I can be directed and guided by greater wisdom than my own, and that, in fact, my own wisdom is eminently worth sharing. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much, Dessa. That's such an inspirational takeaway. I was going to actually ask you what's your main takeaway that you want to leave with the listeners, but I feel that you just <laughs> stated it. <laughs> um, so I can do another one, but I think that that might have been it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love the the connection to all things and that we are one. And, you know, I think it's an important point, especially now, since a lot of us are living in polarity. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big thing to remember is that we're just not that important. <laughs> we're just not all that if all fired important. And and all these people who claim to be leaders and claim to know the way and acclaim really just listen to your own heart. Listen mm-hmm. to your own truth. And don't believe anything I say. Think about it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Okay. Well, um, Desa, can you tell us any resources that you can point folks to in order to learn more about you, uh, the Sacred Anatomy um, program, all those things? Well, I'm teaching now. And um, 
It's very exciting because with the online uh, dimension being opened up for people like me, I'm able to reach people all over the world. And so I've taken my seminal teachings, the things that I've been teaching in close workshop for 25 years, I've now taken online and I teach a way to be in the sacred anatomy called the essential practice, which is the edge. And I teach you how to attain the edge and how to not merge or um, lose yourself or become overpowered or disempowered or stressed out from the energies that you live in. And this is one of the big, big things that took me many years to discover and was hard fought and hard won to learn how to not be at the effect of life, but to be with life. And uh, so the edge practice is now being taught online. And um, I'm also teaching a class called Energetic Hygiene, um, Self-Care for the Sensitive Soul. And so that's being taught online finally. And I even have more advanced trainings that I'm taking to the online format. Last year I taught, last year and this year, I taught a whole practitioner training online. So it's really exciting. I have classes that I offer at www.yoursacredanatomy.com, workshops, and there's a ton of free stuff on my website. You can even download a 13-page a document of all the a bunch of pictures of the stuff I see. So I've I've tried to draw for years. I've drawn these um, images that I see around people and standardized into an anatomy. So you can you can look at that. Wow. You can read more about me there. Amazing, amazing. And we will leave all those links in the show notes as well so that people can navigate uh, to the website and to your book and to your program so they could find you. So thank you so much for your time. This was so, so, so inspirational and really thought provoking for me. I have a lot to think about after this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to talk to you anytime, Yasmin. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learn about transformative body healing and sacred anatomy with Desda Zuckerman. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thanks again.